Community Soup, a podcast powered by Collective Impact. I'm Don Portis. Welcome to the table. My name is Gianna Hoshbach. Um, I'm a community school coordinator at Browning Elementary um, by way of the Silver Spring Neighborhood Center. And it's crazy to think this is my fourth school year. So it'll be four years officially um, come summertime or the end of the school year. But yeah, four years at Browning. One of the questions that I've asked everybody the show to this point um, is, is if you can share like your origin story uh, to joining or finding community schools. Um, I think, you know, everybody's journey is a little different. Um, and this is, this is still a, a relatively new thing here in Milwaukee, like, you know, seven or eight years old. Uh, so it's not something that, you know, you may have grown up with, uh, with this person in your building when you were a student. Um, and so can you just kind of share, like, how did you find a position? Like, you know, was there something that you, did as a young person or a job that you had prior to that kind of like helped you uh, or prepared you for uh, the current professional calling that you have now? Very interesting question, which I probably won't answer in the most streamlined way. Um, But I think I'll say the official bud was probably in college, although I feel like growing up, I've always been around like folks who were social justice oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier Bob Peterson. He was my fifth grade teacher. Oh, wow. That's so <laughs> I remember writing like poems talking about like the election with Bush and stuff in like his fifth grade class and him exposing me to like different opportunities with spoken word and just like ways to express how he felt about like the happenings in the world. Uh, but fast forward to college, um, I did a lot of volunteering in college. Um, 300 hours worth every school year. <laughs> and I volunteered primarily at Voces de la Frontera and at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, and in both of those positions, I was really intrigued by um, sort of all of the surrounding things that were happening to like the students and families. Um, so at the Boys and Girls Club, I was one of the group leaders. I think I eventually became like the character and leadership coordinator. But like I was there for years and I remember everyone saying like, oh, so you must be an education major. And I was like, no, not at all. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Okay, are you going to switch into education? And I was like, I don't have a desire to um, because the teaching part of it, the academic part of it wasn't necessarily what drew me. But it was like everything that the students were dealing with and how they were overcoming those things or not um, once they entered the school building. So I was really intrigued about like, or just invested in like my student stories and helping them kind of meet those other needs so that they could even exist in that space and do whatever they needed to do. Um, so I did that work. Voces de la Frontera had a really big passion working with like um, our immigrant students or DACA or UNDOC students and like the barriers they were facing as they pursued education um, and all of that to be after college, I was working as an admission counselor, um, and I took a special, I guess, taking to students who, again, were, like, unable to get into college or afford college because of their status and things like that, and so I was doing so much work beyond, I guess, the basic admission process of, like, looking at their applications and accepting them, but trying to, um, work with them, like, how can we make sure the student is priced as an in-state student, or how can we make sure that they're 
um, family or status isn't compromised and they're afraid of like what's going to happen if they share their information. Um, I don't know. I just felt like I was invested in like all of the other parts that came with the job that weren't necessarily required of the job. And so I think I was just like browsing. I'm not even sure how I came across the community school application, but as I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly like what my passion has been calling me to do within these spaces that wasn't necessarily asked of me. I'm addressing those educational justices, those um, outside factors, the whole like child and family, and that's actually my job. So it was sort of like, oh, this is perfect. Like, yeah, no, that's super cool. Super cool. And I, I guess I'm curious and just a little follow up, like, did you did you notice that you were doing that in real time? Like, did you understand, um, I guess, how you were operating with, you know, this allyship or like this advocacy at the forefront of what you were doing? Did you notice that in real time? I know, you you know, you're able to make the connection now that this that is a lot of what we do. Uh, and it's not just for students, but it's for parents. It's for the staff member who doesn't feel heard. It's for that community partner that doesn't feel like they have the connection with the building that they want. Um, so we're constantly like advocating and trying to make things uh, fit as seamlessly as they possibly can. Um, but during your time as a uh, admission counselor, were you aware of what you were doing or how you were doing it? Short answer is no, not right away, um, just because naturally I feel like that's the way I, you know, was operating. But I think like, especially when I was getting those questions about like, why aren't you in education? Even at Mount Mary, we had the opportunity to pursue graduate school there because we were employees there. Um, and like education was one of those graduate opportunities or pathways we could take and like I naturally got that question. I almost feel like it was like other people trying to understand the space I was operating in that made me think a little bit deeper about it and say like, you know, no, it's not necessarily that, although it, it all goes together. And I don't think people think of it that way. Um, so, yeah, I'd say definitely kind of like the the response from others and then just understanding that, um I don't know, I guess in, in hindsight, just understanding that reflection, but yeah. Okay. Um, so you've been, you've been in the role for, you said four school years or close to four years, something like that. Um, forgive me. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what has been your, I guess, what, what's the most enjoyable part of your job? So many parts. Um, one, like I said, I'm lucky to like have a space where I feel like my job like centers the work that has always called me. It's not like me finding time or carving the space out to do it in addition to like other tasks that are required of me. Like this is what I'm here to do. And I love that, you know, I don't have to not that, you know, obviously volunteering is great. Doing all these things are great, but to just find that space where I can like do that and have that be like the center of what I do is amazing. Um, but honestly, I think it's like coming across so many other people who are like-minded, who are and not like-minded, but being able to like have those opportunities to dis discuss, to collaborate, um, to see like there are so many other people in the fight with you. Um, I think this work is can be hard. Um, it can be a little isolating, especially when you're going against the grain. 
So I think knowing that like there's that network um, that is working toward like this common goal. I know it sounds a little like cheesy as I'm saying it, but I think it's just like really special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's 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 deep. I think. Ooh, yeah, no, the isolation part that you that you spoke about, and um, I didn't necessarily plan to go this route, but um, you know, I would say when I was a coordinator, that was something that I was experiencing a lot, and um, you know, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm asking you to peel back another layer, but like, can you share a little bit more about maybe the nature of our position that kind of breeds this feeling of isolation at times? But like that, but also what do you do when you are feeling isolated? Is it a deeper engagement with the stakeholders to try to get them to understand? Is it, you know, finding a network of, uh, you know, maybe site coordinators that, you know, understand, you know, your day-to-day struggle and kind of building community with them? Um, How do you, yeah, like, how do you find that balance or that middle ground? Yeah, um, I feel like our, I don't know, I feel sort of like a chameleon in this role, right? Mm -hmm. I think that no matter how many times I like talk about it with the people around me, like even in my personal life, like I think my mom has a new takeaway every day yeah. when I tell her about yeah. like what I've done or what I'm doing. And she's like, Oh man, like I know you did X, Y, and Z, but she's like, I like just have no idea the depth of the work that you go into. Um, so I think that alone just makes it hard to relate to because it's not so, you know, it's multifaceted. Um, We're doing a little bit of, you know, whether it's organizing one day, it could be um, human services or social work a different day. Like it depends on whatever the 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 time calls for. Um, So I think in that sense, like until you find another coordinator who's doing exactly what you're Mm -hmm. doing, there's never going to be like that total understanding, which can always like feel a little bit like you're on an island. Um, But I think you're also so versed in like so many different areas because you are within your school, you're within your partner agency, um, you're within so many different communities. So it's sort of this weird thing where like you have lots of networks and you're part of like different communities and families, but you're also like your own person where like they're not always a part of like all the things you're a part of. Um, It's a weird sort of dynamic or when you think about it. Yeah, it's like a... Like almost like a gift and a curse, right? Like there's yeah. a access provides so much like perspective, and you know, as coordinators, right? Like we do have access to a lot of spaces. We have access to uh, the social spaces for teachers, right? That maybe an administrator doesn't have access to. We have access to the administrators in a way that you know maybe classroom teachers may not have access to them, right? Like we can go to admin meetings. We're at the leadership team meetings. We're a part of, you know, the youth council, right? Like, mm-hmm. and because we're in so many different spaces, you, you absorb so much information and you, you know so much and it shapes how you inter- interact and, and engage with others. And like, you know, it's funny that you brought your mom up because, you know, my mom was an educator in NPS for like 30 plus years. And like, I would try to like have conversations with her about, you know, different things with the assumption that she knows exactly what I'm talking about or exactly what I'm going through. But like, she, she doesn't, right? Because it's, there's a different vantage point because she had a different role and may not have, you know, all of the access that I do comes from doing the work. Our reality can easily get misinterpreted mm-hmm. as like something negative, but it's like, nah, like that's like a, a, a required growing pain for a school to improve. Um, 
And so it's, yeah, it's just a, a, a unique space to be in. And I'm glad that you were able to like share some of that. Cause I, I like, I don't, I try not to bring it up no more because like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to burden somebody else with my, you know, my, um, there was a segue that I had that I just lost it, but I'll, I'll just uh, kind of come out and ask. Right. So like one of the things, things that I would say has, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you your flowers. I'm going to give kudos to you. Um, but, you know, you've also gotten some buzz for Browning around some of the initiatives that you all have been able to implement recently. Um, and so one of the things that is at the top of my mind is uh, the walking school bus strategy that you all were just recent or been able to implement this school year. Um, and so I just want to give you the space to kind of talk about one, what that is. Um, and two, like, why is this important for Browning? Uh, maybe give a little bit of context um, around, you know, the school neighborhood um, and just, you know, the process. How did you all land on this? You know, what was the issue um, that this initiative is, is solving? Uh, and so I'll stop there and, and, and let you brag on yourself and your staff, uh, what you all were able to accomplish with the walking school bus. Yeah, I love talking about the walking school bus. Um, I think it's fair to start actually last school year um, when we first kind of piloted it the second half or semester of the school year. Um, it came from a couple of different things, lots of things happening at the same time, and it just made a lot of sense. Um, so taking it way back, Browning um, has been in its current location for just under 20 years now. Um, so Browning School existed way before then, um, but it was relocated to its current housing development, Westland Gardens, in the last like 20 years or so after we realized that lots of the students in the neighborhood were um, I think the number I heard thrown out was like bus to 80 different like locations. Mm -hmm. um, so there was no like neighborhood school in the area for the students to go to. Um, so Browning comes to the neighborhood um, and we think that that's going to solve, you know, that issue completely. And it doesn't. We still find that more um, more students than not are still continuing to go to other schools, not the neighborhood school that is now Browning. Um, so that's one thing that we always have had as a priority at our school, trying to like really um, engage the community um, and increase that neighborhood enrollment. Um, sort of also happening in the neighborhood is um, it's being redeveloped. So Westland Gardens, um, super beautiful, all new like energy efficient buildings, um, increasing like a uh, Currently, Westland Gardens has been in a food desert for quite a while. So like the push to like grow our own food, um, having garden beds and everything around the neighborhood. It's been really great. Um, there's just a lot of like new things happening, new people coming into the neighborhood, moving in, new everything around. Um, and there was a little bit of like this broken, this sense of like fractured whatever between um, the community because it's just gone through a lot of change and need to be reengaged. So I say all of that to say that although Browning was in this community now, um, it still lacked the sort of connection to those who lived in the community. They weren't as familiar with the school, um, which we also figured was part of the reason why students were coming. Um, understanding that part community-wide, internally, we noticed that a lot of our students um, were struggling with attendance. Um, being on time, all of those types of things. And as we were having discussions with like our leadership teams, our 
social worker pointed out that she noticed a lot of the students who were struggling happened to be the students who lived, you know, across the street um, or down the block, definitely within walking distance to the school. Um, so understanding that we wanted to re-engage the community, really work as one, understanding that we had this attendance issue with students who lived so close. Um, we talked about the possibility of the walking school bus. Um, we understood that this would help, you know, the students who live close by be able to get to school safely um, and on time, um, but also let us get to know like the families in the neighborhood. Um, so we worked together as a school team to like pull out from our enrollment and identify all of the students who lived in the area. Um, and from that point, we were able to reach out to them and let them know like, hey, we want to offer this service. Would you even be interested? And we got a lot of feedback saying like, yeah, of course we would be. Um, so knowing that we had the interest from like the families and the community to, to start this initiative, we started to reach out to willing adults with the help of the Bike Federation um, who would be interested in, you know, walking in the mornings, cold and all, to pick up our babies and bring them to school. Um, and when we got a healthy pool of volunteers, um, we started this process and we started out small. Um, so one day a week in the mornings, we would walk out. Um, we always walk in pairs and we'd pick up the students who signed up to be on the route. Um, and yeah, that's that's sort of how it started. Um, that was last year. This year, we kind of looked at the data we, um, that we collected. So we paid attention to, you know, how many students were on the route, how often they came, um, did it improve their attendance? Sure answer, yes, it did. Um, so we decided it was something that we wanted to continue and maybe even scale up. Um, so this year we bumped it up to two days, um, still working in small steps, mornings only, picking up the students. Um, we also kind of expanded it to not just like the critical attendance students, but just any students who live in a neighborhood. Um, and it's been going really well. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, and I think what you what you were just able to, I guess, describe or put in perspective for us is is one of the primary reasons why, you know, we felt like it was important for us to, to start a podcast and to be able to have like extended dialogue um, to, to paint, I guess, more full pictures uh, of our day to day work and like the value and benefit that it has on our students and families uh, and, and the actual science behind it. Right. Like I think, you know, we I, at least I personally have seen pictures. Um, I've uh, joined uh, the walking school bus route on a very, very cold day. Um, so, I, you know, I, I got a chance to experience it for myself. Um, and it is it is more than just like, you know, somebody having a great idea and just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, students that are, you know, across the street, two doors down, a block away, we can just go get them and increase, you know, um, because we think it'll be a good gesture. Right. Like there's there's you know, deeper conversations, there's collaboration between, you know, different organizations. Uh, there's a, a, a strong system in place to where there's, you know, shared leadership and responsibility on, you know, what staff is involved, uh, the whole nine. And, you know, again, I, I know that there are some, some, some really great things that come out of community schools. And sometimes we just don't have the time or space um, to share our why or the origin story behind some of these great initiatives. But um, again, I'm glad that you were able to kind of give the backstory as to, you know, how Browning decided that this is the best strategy for um, for, 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 for your school and your community. 
Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Um, there was, or there has been uh, some other things that have been going on really positive at Browning. Um, and so I just, again, want to give you the platform to kind of speak on some things. Uh, one being the youth council. Um, and before you dive into the youth council, I would just kind of like give some context to uh, maybe one of uh, the more long, longer conversations or ongoing conversations that we've been having uh, within our partnership. And it's around like, you know, what is the actual leadership capacity of elementary school age students? Um, and you being in a K-5 space, um, your youth council, correct me if I'm wrong, is open from, you know, from third graders up, to, up until fifth graders. Uh, but you can, can you kind of just like share uh, some of the things that you all were able to accomplish this school year or in recent years? Um, and also like, you know, give you, you know, just give you some space to dispel some of the, the, uh, the assumptions, right, uh, or misperceptions that, um, young people have to be limited in their leadership when we're talking about third, fourth, and fifth graders. Yeah. Oh my gosh, my babies. Um, so I, I love working with the students and I love being able to just kind of like show them off and build them up and help people understand that like they can go through the same processes we can. Um, so I started with our youth council last school year um, and I lead them through the same process that I lead my um, adult teams through. Mm -hmm. um, so we go through the process of community building, um, getting to know each other, um, and then we start to talk about our school um, in all senses. So thinking about like what's going well, but also what's not, and rallying around like ideas about what we want to change and how we can do that. Um, and as we have those discussions, like they have all the same, you know, just as many ideas as if I were talking to you about it. Um, and I think it's really special hearing what they have to say because they are like <laughs> the most boots underground out of anyone. They know what's happening. They know what's happening in the bathrooms or on the playground or like all the spaces that we want to believe as adults that we understand, but we just don't have that access. Um, so hearing from them, like, what's going on from their perspective and then being able to work with them as they like problem solve um, and go through their process is really special. I know last year, um, because we were still coming off of like pandemic procedures and policies, like wellness breaks and having like the dehydration stations so they can fill their water bottles mm -hmm. and like having these like spaces that felt very um, freeing and like just, emotionally restoring to them were big things that came up last year um, and are actually the reason that Browning now has hydration stations um, and we have like the the cushy furniture and the library and like all of the things that they said like this would make us feel more comfortable and more at home and like whatever um, so that was really cool but looking at this year now um, it's been also very neat because we're going through the same process but with the help of um the transformative student voice curriculum um, that we've been working on as a partnership with Marquette. Um, so it's been really cool to watch them just kind of grow as leaders um, and watch their skill sets grow as they like um, learn to critically think in, you know, outside of like the traditional classroom space, but as they approach these issues and look at data surrounding these issues, um, 
the team now is like they they've chosen fighting and like bullying as kind of the the issue they want to unpack. Um, so we just went through or started our root cause analysis process um, this past week, and they were looking at the difference between like symptoms of fighting. So what does it look like, and understanding the difference between that and like the causes to it. Um, and the goal is that we will um, address one or more of those causes um, as we move forward in the process. But yeah, it's been really special watching them just be able to like have the same conversations that we have as adults and then even continue that conversation in what has traditionally been like adult filled spaces. They come to like our learning team meetings. They come to all of our other team meetings um, and they're able to hold their own. And I love it. Yeah, I always describe <laughs> Uh, our young people, especially like our youth councils, as like extensions of our work. Um, and so, you know, to hear that you are intentional about bringing them into uh, adult spaces um, and that they are able to hold their own and you are building their skill sets up uh, is, is really good to hear because, um, I mean, it, it just... It's going to set them up for success, um, but also, you know, make our, our day to day a little bit easier if we can involve them in a the solution as opposed to, you know, just kind of having them, you know, sit on the sideline and wait for us to make decisions and do do things differently. Um, I really enjoy that approach. Um, and so I know you kind of shared a little bit, but can you, I guess, maybe go a little bit deeper um, to why it's important to. I guess, engage your young people as as partners instead of like, I guess, a traditional hierarchy of like, I'm an adult, you're a child, I make a decision, you listen, like I teach, you learn. Um, yeah, so can you just kind of share a little bit about that? Yes, so I, I mean, I just think it's important um, to always like ask the people in the room and ask the ones who are experiencing whatever it is that they are wanting to change or improve like what's happening. Like they, they are total experts in that sense. Um, and I feel like it's a different approach than like what we typically see. Um, but I always try to like amplify and uplift their voice in that process. Um, because I do think that they, like I said, are super capable. They know how to do the same things, but they also just have like a lens to what's happening that we just don't because we're not in those spaces or necessarily like understand um, what they're facing because we, we just have a different perspective. So I guess personally, I just always try to make sure that um, whether it's our students or if it's our families or whatever, like making sure that they have a voice at the table um, to really talk about like what they're experiencing, what they see happening um, as part of our community and like what they what they see happening and then being able to work with them, um, I think is huge. I try to make sure that like beyond, you know, youth councils, like it's student led, it's a student dedicated space that they're able to work alongside the adults in the building, whether that's like family members or the school staff or whatever that is. So I was trying to make sure that they're included in those spaces too, because there's a lot of peer learning that happens. Like mm -hmm. um, I always think it's super special. Like when students say something and it like the adults in a room are like, Oh, like, are you serious? But then like the other way around too. And it opens this dialogue and I can even just see the shift in like how the adults in a room are like 
like talking with the students, not like to the students. Um, I think that's just really special too, because I think it lets the students understand how important their voice is and that like they're no less important or they're no different. Like we are all people in this community and we all have a voice and something to share and something we want to change. And just like, I don't know, I just think it builds that capacity um, to a whole new level. So I always think it's super important even just to break down like the mindset. Um, Cause typically I see, I see it more from the adult side than the student side, right? I don't think the students are assuming that they have this power over the adults or anything like that. But um, I don't know. I just think it leads to better, like, everything in that space that's helpful but then even when we leave from that space and we're back to like our normal routine um seeing the shift in how the adults talk with the students and like interact with them is just like huge mm, nice um so you may or may not know this but the title of this podcast is called community soup right uh and so i got this uh well, really, this this concept or this idea just kind of stuck with me. I got it when I was in like elementary school. I remember being in like kindergarten, uh, probably like learning how to share or something like that. And uh, there was like this book uh, called Community Soup. Um, and so uh, the 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 neighborhood or the residents, they were, um, I guess, required to bring a dish, you know, because they were making soup. It was, you know, kind of like an under-resourced community or whatever. Um and so we read that book and we were we, we did it like at the end of the week, like on Friday, everybody like, oh, you bring the carrots, you bring the potatoes. And we actually made the dish and, and we ate it. And it was, you know, it was good. We felt ownership over it because we brought something in. Uh, and so like I, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like a metaphor to, you know, our work uh, or the model uh, that we try to implement uh, and uphold every day. Uh, and so with that, I guess, context information. Right. Like I I, I I look at coordinators also kind of like like superheroes, if you will. And so um, I, I ask, what what is it that you bring every day that makes you effective as a coordinator? Uh, and I guess to to your school community, right? Like how are you continuing to be that superhero by bringing fill in the blank? Did that make sense? That did make sense. Okay. That's, a, that's a good question. Right. Um, I feel like I feel like it's my ability to like ask why um, to like to analyze and to challenge. So I think I've shared this before in some other space, but like I always ask why to like everything that was told to me or or asked of me. Um, and growing up black, that wasn't always like the best for me. <laughs> I don't know if my parents or grandparents like appreciated that, but I never saw it as like a disrespectful thing. It was just always like I wanted to understand the why. Um, and that's something that like, as annoying as it probably was for a lot of people growing up, I, I just that always stuck with me. Um, so I think no matter how long something has, you know, worked the way it has, even if it doesn't seem to have apparent kinks or anything, I'm always like, well, why, why does it work that way? Or why do we do it that way? Why is this this way? And I think that helps so much because even when it's not like an obvious issue or it doesn't seem like it's an issue, it still gives us a chance to reflect on what we're doing. It can ground us in the reason why we're doing it. Sometimes we do it so long we forget. Um, 
but it just opens the opportunity for, for improvement or to maybe pull in, you know, those the students that we, we haven't included or family members we haven't included in the process. So I think always being able to like ask why um, leads to all of those different things and it, it challenges what's happening. Um, so yeah, I feel like in a very condensed form, asking why is is my thing because it has led to like all of those different scenarios and I think it's always helpful. No, that's great. That's great. Um, I think one, maybe the final question that I had prepared. Um, okay. Um, so in the, I guess it's kind of in our spirit, right? As community school folks uh, to, to engage others in our work, right? And try to bring uh, more voices to the table, uh, et cetera, right? And so for someone who may be listening, we don't know what the, you know, how this person feels about school, what their job title is, anything, right? Um, but if there was one particular call to action for some person to support or get more involved with their with their school, uh, with community schools, uh, what is it that you would share with them about our model, about maybe some of the good things that you all do at Browning? Um, how can someone support this model? That's why, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of like making space and just bringing someone with me or bringing someone to the room. Um, so I guess in whatever your respective space is, like, even if you don't think that that person directly pertains to whatever is being discussed or is happening, um, I always just say, like, bring them with you. Like, bring them to a meeting, bring them on a call, or bring them, like, wherever, this, you know, I was going to say where it allows, but maybe where it doesn't allow. Um, I just always think it helps to have that deeper understanding um, to, uh, like, know what's happening in your building or within your community, um, to be able to just ask questions, um, to maybe make connections you didn't even realize were, you know, that existed. I think there's so many things that are happening like in silos and sometimes it's just by design or like it's not super intentional. Um, but then you like bring this person to a space and you realize all of these connections that can be made or um, collaboration that is like really primed to happen. And there's just like that one little thing that's holding it back. So I would just say like, bring someone with you. Um, and learn together, collaborate together, um, just open that space up. Like we have to stop closing people out, shutting doors. Mm-hmm. No, that's powerful. I don't think there's a, a better way to close out this conversation. Uh, but Gianna, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out and conversing with, with, with us today. Um, yeah, thanks.